Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Well, I'm so glad that everybody is joining us. And if I haven't met you yet, my name is Aaron Burke. I'm the lead pastor here at Radiant Church. And on behalf of my wife and I, we're so glad that you are with us. I want you to do me a favor and take out those notes that you got on your way in today. We are a note-taking church. We give out notes every single Sunday on your way in. And if you're watching online, you can actually fill them out through the app. And we, we love to take notes. You're four times more likely to remember it if you write it down. And we're going to have a lot of fun over this month because we take February to talk about relationships every single year. Now, I know that there's a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds in here, but we all have one thing in common, that we've all had some relationship pain in our life and we've also had some relationship joy in our life. And so we're gonna help you with your relationships. I'm a firm believer that the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. So this series is for you, and we've, we've titled this series DTR, DTR, which simply means define the relationship. Like, where's the relationship at? So there's some of y'all that have been just hanging out with people for a long time. You need a DTR, you need to define that relationship. Like, is this going somewhere or not? And so, you know, relationships come in all different kind of sizes and statuses, and, and maybe you're single or, or dating or kind of just seeing somebody right now. And, and I, I know it's like the ultimate level, like it's got Facebook or social media official, like that's another level. Um, but we're gonna help you with your relationships. I always like to start with some fun. And every year I've done this where I found some, some love notes that, that um, were written that just make me laugh a lot. So I thought I'd give you some of these today. Here's the first one. This one says, Dear Savian, will you kiss me after school? Check yes or no or maybe or never. Come on, you don't want to get that never right there. And, and call me if you like the kiss because I want to know if it was to you, uh, how it was to you because I love you, Savian. I mean, this is intense relationship right here. Please check. Oh, oh, yeah, do. I don't even know what that means, but you want to take me out on a date? Your girlfriend, Megan. How many know Megan's pretty intense right there? Megan's <laughs> pretty intense. Here's another one. This one's funny right here. It says, Dear Wendy, uh, I know this is um, weird, but I like you so much, and I didn't want to tell you because you will just hit me in the middle. <laughs> Wendy's sharp hit me in the middle just like you had hit me last time. I got you something for you and I hope you like it, but if you had like me, I will take care, care, care of you. If you had a boyfriend, then that's fine. I will not be sad. I will buy you whatever you want, even a hundred pairs of shoes. Come on, somebody right there. Love Julian. All right, all right we got one more, one more. This is, this is the last one here. Dear Keenan, I'm sorry to have to break up with you. You always trying to make me laugh, but you just making yourself look bad. We're over for real, Stevie. Come on, that's funny right there. Relationships coming in different moments of pain, different moments of heartache, and different moments of joy. And we're gonna dive into all things relationships in this series. So here's what I want you to understand. If you're, if you're single and you're just loving life right now, this series is for you. If you're single and you're trying to find someone, first of all, you're in the right church, because I, I saw some of y'all even during worship, the hands are raised and you're just looking if there's a ring. That's all you're doing, just like, <laughs> like is there a ring on that one? I'm just trying to figure out. You're in the right place, right place. 
Uh, if you're dating with no intentions of settling down, come on, this series is for you. You're dating, you wanna get more serious, it's for you. If you're engaged and you're preparing for marriage, you better be taking lots of notes. This is gonna be a good one for you. If you're engaged with like no date on the calendar, no intention of ever getting married, well, we, we gotta work on you too. We're gonna work on that. If you're married and you're just thriving in your marriage, well, take a bunch of notes, it's gonna be for you. And if you're married and you're looking for a way out, this is a series for you. Like, this is it. We're gonna help you really figure out how to do relationships God's way. And, and in this DTR, the define the relationship, what we're gonna do every single week is we're gonna help you define something, bring clarity on an area of your relationship. Make it very clear. I, I just want your attention across Tampa Bay. You will never get to a healthy relationship by accident. You will never uh, uh, just accidentally fumble into a God-honoring relationship. You have to be intentional about it. And if you will get intentional about it, if you'll bring some definition of what you're trying to do, you can walk into all that God has for you. And today, I'm gonna talk to you about define the center. Define the center. What, what is the thing that holds your relationship together? I remember I did a pre-marriage counseling a few years back and, and the couple came in and he came in with a, the office t-shirt on, you know, the t-shirt from the show, The Office. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And I like The Office. And then we sit down and I started talking to him, like, tell me about your relationship. And everything had to do with The Office. It was like, oh, well, we, we started talking about The Office. And then, then we watched this, The Office together. And we're like Jim and Pam, like they were all into The Office. And I remember thinking like, their whole relationship revolves around this one show. Like I remember when Netflix canceled the show, I thought about them going, I hope they survive. <laughs> what do you do? What, what is it in your friendships, in that dating relationship, in your marriage, what is the thing that holds your life together? I think about this kind of, this center of your life, the center of your relationships. What is that, that central thing that holds your life together? And, and it comes in all different shapes and sizes. And here's why it's important, because whatever is the center will eventually affect what becomes your, your values and your beliefs in that relationship. So that next little line around it is your, your values and your beliefs, it, it becomes kind of what you, what you go by. And then from that becomes your actions and your, your, your decisions. So then we start acting out based on what's the center and then becomes your impact and your influence. So then it's kind of how you're known in the world and what's in the middle really, really, really matters. Now, now for some of you in your relationships, it's all self that's right in the middle. And it's all about you, and it's all about making you happy, and it's, man, if this stops making me happy, I'm out of this thing, and that's how you treat your friends, that's how you treat your family, that's how you do your parenting, and, and self is a terrible thing to put in the middle of your relationships. Yeah. Another one is you, they do lifestyle. So it's the lifestyle thing. It's like, hey, we're on the, we're, we're, this is what we do, this is the kind of life we like, this is who we are, we're, we're boating people. We're just boating people. We just love to boat, like it's like, and like, like, that's just our thing. It's, it's just like, it's the, the, the idea of who we are. And, and, then, and then some people, it's career. It's, it's we're on this career path together and, and we're gonna grow this business together. We're gonna build this thing together. And, and, and that becomes it. But, but what happens when the business falls apart or what happens when the economy changes and it's all built off that career? There's other people, your, your hobby, it's the center. Like, we're just pickleball. It's just all pickleball. It's like fake tennis, you know what I mean? It's like pickleball. Like, just what we do. But what happens when one of the partners stops liking pickleball? Then everything, yeah, now it's like, oh, it's over, right? 
It, it, it becomes about that. What about when it's about kids? Some of you, the only reason you ever got married is because you had a kid. And then and you're in this thing and you're going, I can't wait that kid gets older. Then I'm out of this thing. It's the only thing holding that family together. It's a terrible, terrible thing to hold a relationship. It's all about them. You know this because you go out to eat. You don't even have anything to talk about. It's up to your kids still. Like, like, what do we do when that's the center? And my challenge for you in this message today is to realign your relationships by putting Christ as the center of your relationships. Christ as the center of all your relationships, your friendships, your dating relationship, your, your, your marriage, your parenting. When Christ is the center, it is now able to withstand the storms that will come in your life. And the storms are inevitable, but you better have something strong enough to hold on to. You better have something that'll be able to withstand how difficult life can be. So I'm gonna challenge you on a Christ-centered relationship. And here's why it matters. Because the center of the relationship determines the success of the relationship. And if you'll put Christ at the center, then things in your life will be fortitude, will have fortitude. They will have stamina, they'll have strength. The secret to a successful relationship is having Christ right at the middle of it. Christ in the middle of your friendships. Christ in that dating relationship. Christ in your parenting. Christ in your marriage. When Christ is in the middle of it, things can survive and things can go into the, de the, the purpose that they're originally intended to walk into. But when Christ is just an add-on, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And, and let me just say it this way. There's a very big difference between being Christians in a relationship and having a Christ-centered relationship. And I'm gonna challenge you to have a Christ-centered relationship. And I'm really believing, he's not an add-on to help your marriage get better. He's gotta be the center of what your marriage is all about. And when he's the center, let me tell you, he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all in your life. So let us learn how to have a Christ-centered centered lifestyle today. Colossians, the book of Colossians, Paul wrote it to a church in Colossae and he writes this letter. And by the way, we're gonna do, we do a book study every year, normally around the, uh, the fall time where I take a book of the Bible and we go through it verse by verse. And this year's book is Colossians. So I'm not gonna give you too much away. But, um, but Colossians, the whole idea of the book is about the supremacy, the, central, the centrality of who Jesus is. That he's got to be in all things, about all things, for all things. It's all got to be for him. And Paul says it this way, and, and I want you to connect this with your relationships. He says, since you have been raised with Christ, like since you're a Christian, then this is what you do. Set your heart on what? On, on that guy that makes you really happy on that girl, on that hobby, on that career path, on that certain amount of money in your bank. No, that's not what he says. He says, set your heart on things above where Christ is. He, he said, put, put, it, put your affections, put your desires on him. Put it on him. And then he says, he's seated at the right hand of God. Then he says, just don't just do your heart, but do it with your mind. Set your minds on things that are above, like it's about, it's about him, it's for him, it's about him. So, so I'm gonna teach you today about how to have Christ at the center of your relationships. By the way, let me just talk to the married couples in here today or people that wanna be married one day. 50% of all marriages end in divorce and what I have heard 
is that it's the same for people that are Christians or non-Christians. So you hear that and you go, well, isn't it pointless to just be a Christian? Like, it doesn't even make a difference. But the, the, the stat is wrong. Let me, let me just break it down for you. Just because you call yourself a Christian doesn't mean you're really a Christian. So just because you're in a relationship and you say I'm a Christian doesn't mean you have a Christ-centered relationship. Here's the stat, ready? 50%, one out of every two marriages end in divorce. That includes people that call themselves a Christian. But the stat goes from one out of two to one out of five if you are a couple that goes to church on a regular basis together. It's a big deal. So now you've, you've increased your odds majorly just by saying, I'm not just a Christian, but I'm a Christian that goes to church together. Okay, that's a big deal. You go, well, Aaron, I still, one out of 20% of marriages still are getting in divorce. Okay, but then here's the deal. Here it is. It goes from one to two to one to five if you just go to church together. But here's the third one, the, the third one, ready? This is the, the game changer. It then moves to one out of every 1,500 couples that call themselves Christians that go to church together and pray together on a regular basis. You want, you want to divorce-proof your life? Put God in the middle of it. Put Christ in the middle of it. Not, not just by your, by your thoughts, not just by your, your intentions, but the reality of like, oh no, we're going to pray together. We're going to go to church. We're going to make this about him. And then he moves from one and two to one and five to one in 1,500 marriages. I want to divorce-proof radiant church by saying, you know what? If you will put Christ at the center of your marriage, it'll last this thing. Come on, give God better praise than that today, church. So how do we do it? How do we do it? Three things I think is gonna help you today. I want you to write them down there. Even at New Tampa, you might be going, I don't, I don't know if I'm ever coming back to this place. That's okay. Just write these things down. It'll help your marriage, all right? Here's the first one. It's that a Christ-centered relationship pursues God. They pursue God. So, so a Christ-centered relationship is two people that are coming together that are not perfect. By the way, notice I didn't say they are perfect. Now, if you're looking for perfection, you're, you mess this whole thing up. Yeah, like, it's not gonna be perfect. We're not going for perfection, we're going for pursuit. We, do, we don't, we don't, they can have issues as long as they're running after Jesus. And that's good news for some of y'all today. And look what he says. He says it like this, Paul does. He goes, so do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Now, you know what this means? This, this is a farming tool when it comes to animals. And they would take the two oxen and they would yoke them together. Now people looked at this and go, okay, it has to do with the size of the oxen or has to do with the, the, the color of the oxen. It doesn't have to do with anything like that. The breed of the oxen, doesn't have to do anything like that. It has everything to do with the pace of the oxen. Are they going the right direction and are they going the right speed? He says, listen, when it comes to your relationship, don't yoke yourself with people that are going slower than you are. <laughs> like, like, don't, what, what connection does righteousness have with wickedness? They don't have anything in common. Like, if someone's going after the world and you're going after Jesus, like, listen, you have to make a choice when it comes to your relationship. Who are you going to yoke your life with? Now, this doesn't mean I don't have unchristian friends or friends that are non-believers. I have people in my life that are like that, but I'm not yoked to them. I'm not, I'm not doing life with them at all times. Here, why? Why does it matter? Because your friendships determine a lot about your life. When who you're yoked with really, really matters. So let me break it down into different categories because I think this is gonna help you when it comes to yoking your life with people who are pursuing God. Because if you're in a relationship, 
You want it to be a Christ-centered relationship, and Christ-centered relationships pursue God. So how do we do this in our friendships? Let me start with friendships, first of all. Here's my wisdom for you. The closest to me are going to be close to Christ. When it comes to my friendships, those who are closest to me are gonna be close to Christ. Now, it doesn't mean I don't have friendships that are um, non-believers, but what it does mean is those who I do life with and my community are always gonna be close to Christ. Let me just say it this way. The ability, your ability to have consistency in your relationship with God is directly connected to the community you surround yourself with. You surround yourself with fools who are running after the things of the world, guess what? You're eventually gonna be a fool that runs after the things of this world. You, you surround yourself with people who are passionate about God, that love God's word, that are pursuing purity, guess what? You'll end up being that person. Because you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. So I tell people all the time, you wanna change your life, the number one way to do it, change your friends, because your friends will eventually determine your future that you're gonna walk into. So you wanna have the right people in your life. That's why I'm so grateful for our church that we provide opportunities like groups and the dream team for you to get involved with. Why? Because you need the right community in your life that is helping you pursue God. I want Christ-centered friendships. And you go, well, it's not a big deal. I can hang out with them and it doesn't matter. Let me just tell, say it this way. Pastor Jordan, I'm gonna need your help. All right, Pastor Jordan, he's a strong guy. But um, I need your help because I'm gonna pull you up here, Pastor Jordan, but I want you to do me a favor. I want you to try to pull me down there. All right, now this is gonna be, wait, wait, let's, how old are you? You're 28, all right, you're too young, all right? All right, so uh, I want you to try to pull me down there and I'm gonna pull you up. Now I do CrossFit, now this is a big deal. See, he runs, so it's kind of a workout, but uh, all right, come on, all right. This, this is not as, um, this is, this is, all right, Dom, help me out, Dom, help me out. All right, come on, I need some help, I need some help in here, okay? Because truly, it doesn't matter how hard I pull, I mean, he's got the advantage because he can pull me down way easier than I can pull him up. So Dom, you got to help me, help me. Come on, brother, all right, we're gonna get him up there. That's because this man, he's strong, he's strong. All right, thank you guys, all right. Let me tell you, the world will pull you down if you're not careful. Your friendships will pull you down. Make a decision this year. I'm surrounding myself with people that are gonna constantly pull me towards the things of God. Not, not those people who are gonna pull me down into the things of this world. Now, now why does it matter? Because I want Christ-centered friendships. By the way, when I got serious with God at 16 years old, my life got radically changed. The very first thing God did is he removed my four closest friends in my life, and it was hard. It was so hard. I genuinely, and I can say this with all love, I genuinely do not think I would have made it if I would have stayed in the friendships with him. Some of y'all are hearing that going, but we've been doing life together for a long time. That's why you keep being stuck where you're at. Get some people in your life that'll pursue God and your friendships will matter. Here's the next one, ready? And dating. Let's talk about dating because a lot of our church is single, ready? And dating, here's my wisdom for you. This is gonna be hard. Don't give them your heart if God doesn't have theirs. If they aren't pursuing Jesus, they're not worth pursuing. Now, it's harsh, but I'm just trying to protect you. So how do you know, Aaron? <laughs> like, ask them their favorite Bible verse 
and just see if it's John 3, 16, all right, just like, like I got that one. Like, like have genuine, like ask them where they go to church. Oh yeah, I go to such and such church. Then ask them the name of the pastor. I don't know. I, I was there one time last year. Was that Easter? Not sure I want to date someone that just shows up on Easter. Like, like I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to set it to be like difficult. I'm just saying be a person that pursues God. Be a person that's going after God and expect that from the person that you're dating. Like we're in this thing to pursue God. And if, they, if, if, if I'm not going to give them my heart if God doesn't have theirs. And I just want to make sure I'm in a relationship that's pursuing God. Here it is in marriage. In marriage, it's a big deal. Ready? For marriage, when it comes to a God-centered relationship, here's what I've realized, is that God is my one and my spouse is my two. A God-centered, a Christ-centered relationship is all about Christ being number one and the spouse being number two. Why does this matter? Because when issues arise, we are not each other's source. Like I can't, I can't fix her. I've tried for 14 years, it doesn't work. And she can't fix me and she's tried for 14 years, it doesn't work. So you know what we do? We go to the one who is our source. We both have individual relationships with God. And as we go to God, we get conformed into the image of Christ and we become more like Jesus. And you know what that helps us do? It helps us love each other better. You can't give love to that person that you first haven't received from Christ. And you're gonna try to fix it this way. It'll never be fixed this way until it's fixed this way first. Like, like, like God's my one, my spouse is my two. That's a Christ-centered relationship that pursues God. And then let me close it with this one. And parenting, my family is my primary ministry. So it's, it's, it's not about the fact of like, you know what, I can go and do this small group and I can serve in this area. No, in my relationships with my kids and my, my, your grandkids and with your, your parents, no, this is your ministry. This is who God's put you around. And when you're around them, realize it's my job, it's my assignment to help us as a family pursue God. We were talking about last night at dinner. We try to do family dinners um, a lot. And during family dinners, we like to ask questions. And one of the questions we asked last night was, what's, the, what's the, your favorite thing about your family? And I said, the favorite thing about my family is that we are a family that pursues the things of God together. Like we're gonna build his church together, we're gonna to pray together, we're gonna to go to God together, we're gonna to help the poor together. Like we're gonna be a family that lives on mission. I live off of Joshua, what he says. He says, but as for me and my household, guess what? We're gonna serve the Lord. What a shame it would be for us to win Tampa Bay and lose my five kids. And I would say it's the same thing for your life. What a shame it would be if you won so much and you've lost out on what matters most, which is the salvation of the people closest to you in your life. Be a Christ centered family, be a Christ-centered household, pursue God together. It makes a big difference. Y'all with me today, church? Can I hear a good amen? All right, here's the second one, ready? A Christ-centered relationship prioritizes serving. So it's, it's about them, it's not about me. Prioritizes serving. Y'all remember the old uh, vocal warm-up? You know, I have to do these once in a while just to get my voice ready. It's me, 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 me. Can we all try it across all of our campuses? Come on, let's hear our voices. Ready? Me, 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 me. Isn't that so much of your relationships right there? It's all about me, 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 me. And that is where the relationship fails. 
because a Christ-centered relationship is not about us. We realize a Christ-centered relationship, the model is not culture, the model is Christ. How does Christ deal with people? Well, the Bible tells us, and Paul, Paul says it this way, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Look what he says, and rather in humility, value others above yourself. Others above yourself. You want your relationships to thrive? Others over you. Them over you. It's about you, not about me. It's about your happiness, not about my happiness. You're gonna value others over yourselves. And then look what he says. Not looking after your own interests. Isn't this opposite of what culture says? Culture says, take care of yourself. Treat yourself. It's all about yourself. When they stop pleasing yourself, you get out of that thing yourself. It's all messed up. We've made it all about us and no wonder our relationships are falling apart. He says, don't look after your own interests, but each of you after the interest of others. Then he says it this way, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Whoa, that's the sinner. What's the sinner? We look at Jesus. How does Jesus treat people? He has a mindset that's different than the world. What's his mindset? Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to do what? Serve. Come on, help me at all of our campuses. To do what? Serve. To serve. He didn't come to make it about him. He was God in the flesh. And yet he still said, I'm gonna make it about other people and to give his life as a ransom for many. Hear me out. The healthiest relationships are the ones that work the hardest to outserve one another. How can I help you? How can I serve you? How can I make it about you? And I know what we're thinking. We're thinking, but if we do that for them, then who's going to take care of us? Remember, we belong to Christ. We belong to Christ. The Bible actually says, I have been crucified with Christ. As all of us need to hear this, I just want you to hear it at all of our campuses. You gotta remember, you've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. So anytime you feel like, well, nobody's taking care of me. It's, uh, nobody here's my, let me just remind you, dead people have no rights. Well, I have a right to make be happy in this thing. No, 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 no. You have laid down your rights when you got saved. And here's the good news, is when you serve other people, Christ serves you. When you take care of other people, God will take care of you. And if you'll do your part in this relationship to serve your spouse, to love them, I mean, telling you, do, do crazy things. Like come home after a 12-hour day of work and do the dishes. Things will change. Things will change. It's just, it's just amazing. It's amazing. Like, just find ways to serve one another. In your friendships, find ways to serve one another. Find ways to, to do stuff for each other. I'm telling you, it makes a difference. Can I hear a good amen today, church? Amen. We're going to serve one another. Here's the third one. First of all, a Christ-centered relationship, they pursue God. And I, I hope you've been challenged in that. That, you know what, you can't change them, but you can change yourself. And go, I'm going to pursue God. Out of all my friendships and dating and my relationship I'm, I'm going to pursue God. And, and then the Christ-centered relationship serves others. And you've got to make it about other people. You've got to make it about yourself. Uh, Out-serve one another. And watch what happens. 
And then here's the third one. A Christ-centered relationship practices repentance and forgiveness. Repentance and forgiveness. Well, we know this is foundational to salvation, that we repent and God has forgiven us. That is a great thing. That's why we can have a relationship with God. And if God ever did anything wrong, which he wouldn't because he's perfect, then, then there would be repentance and we would forget. Because that's how any relationship that thrives, thrives with repentance and forgiveness. So I'm gonna need that illustration up there. We're gonna close with a good visual that'll help you out. But here's what repentance is, and I want you to get this. Repentance is a genuine apology with a desire to change. Oh, this is so important because you gotta understand a genuine apology. How many have ever experienced an apology that was not a genuine apology? Come on, like, like, like I'm sorry that you felt that way. I'm sorry you don't have a sense of humor. I've tried that one, doesn't work. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were so sensitive. That's not a genuine apology. A genuine apology is when you come in, you own up to your issue, and then you have a desire to do what? Change. Help me at all of our campuses, a desire to do what? Change. To change, to change. That, that's, that's needed, it's foundational. But you can't just say you're sorry, then there's gotta be forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. You know what forgiveness is? Forgiveness is releasing the offense and moving forward. All right, Dom and Courtney, y'all can come up both are absolutely necessary in a relationship. If you want to have a God-centered relationship, then I'm gonna challenge you in this, that you live in such a way that there's the, the balance between, okay, you guys are so awesome. Okay, so, all right, do we have our paddles? Where's our paddles? Okay, so we got two paddles over here. All right, so what we got is, uh, I'm gonna give you this one of repentance, Dom, because, uh, come on, dudes, we know we need it, right? I, all right, and then Courtney, you're gonna have that one. So, so every relationship, there is moments of repentance and there's moments of forgiveness. And you've got to understand that both are absolutely necessary. So Dom, not to put you on, a, on the spot, but there's only a few thousand people watching this. Um, what's something y'all argue about? Come on. Uh, making, plans and not not, making plans and not telling the other person. I'm sure y'all don't do that. So Courtney, how long y'all been married? About two years. Two years, almost two years. Oh, like professionals, okay. So he still makes this mistake once in a while? A lot, okay, okay, great, all right. All right, so here's how it, how it works, is that he's made a, a, a dumb decision, he made plans it again, and he invited all the, all the guys at, at South Tampa, he's like, hey guys, just come over, Courtney won't mind, it'll be awesome, she loves it when people show up. And then, and then afterwards, she's like, okay, we're just gonna have a little talk about it. So they talk about it, and he repents, and what do you do when you repent? You say you're sorry, and you say I'm gonna change, and then he's repenting, but she's not gonna sit there while he's repenting and going, good, Keep repenting. Because a relationship that is only with repentance on one side and without forgiveness on the other side goes in, goes in circles. You, you, you've experienced it in your life, haven't you? It just goes in circles. And then, and, and, and then the one that forgives, and you know what? It's not a big deal. He, I'm sure he didn't even mean it. Just, just you forgive, but you didn't repent. So you're forgiving. And she's like, I'm sure he didn't mean it, that people are gonna come over. I'm sure he, did. I'm sure he knows the issue already. And she's, she's, she's paddling, she's forgiven, I'm gonna forget. I went to the altar again, because he's an idiot. But there was no for, repentance on his side. Guess what, that boat's just going in. It's just going in circles. So a healthy relationship is one that both repentance and forgiveness 
are happening on a regular basis. Regular basis. So you know what? So I'll just give you a just off the wall illustration. Let's let's change it up, okay? All right, this is so fun. So now you're the one that needs to prepare. So let's just get, you know, something. So let's imagine that the hamper, the clothes hamper is like right here, but the spouse, the, the guy throws the clothes on the floor right here. Okay, so this is just made up. Never's happened in the Burke house. And let's say that I'm just, I'm just, I'm just so like, it's just not a big deal. And let's say the spouse who is almost always perfect, just once in a while, just goes off crazy. Why don't you put your clothes on the hammer, you idiot? So my wife would never say that, but let's imagine that happens. So eventually she says, I responded in a bad way. So what she's going to do is she's going to repent and he's going to, well, I thought so. Well, you deserve, you better not do that. I'm keeping track of this, by the way. We're not in this thing to keep score with each other. We're in this thing to win this thing called life together. You want to go somewhere in a relationship, we're going to repent and forgive. Repent, forgive. Repent, forgive. Repent, forgive. Repent, forgive. And you know what's going to happen? It's going to become more and more like Christ, and you're going to get further and further and further into the calling of God on your life. And you talk to anybody that's been married 20, 30, 40, 50 years, guess what they're going to say? Their relationship was made up of a lot of repentance and a lot of forgiveness, and you'll move to the calling of God on your life. Can you give God better praise and amen, church? Y'all are so great. Thank y'all so much. So as you're repenting and forgiving, repenting and forgiving, this includes your friendships, this includes people that did you wrong. Here's what you do. Look how good he helped his wife out. That was awesome. You're gonna now, what Paul says, you're gonna get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger and brawling and slander. Why are we gonna do this? Because we're gonna live in a lifestyle that's Christ-centered and we're gonna repent and forgive, repent, forgive. Aren't we thankful that when we repent to God, he forgives us? He forgives us. He doesn't hold it against it. Well, I'll see how you do tomorrow. No, no, no. He forgives right away. And look at it, he says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. And here's our, here's our line. Here's our, here's our standard of forgiveness. Ready? Just as God forgave you. God forgive you. If you're going to live this year with bitterness and resentment and offense towards your friendships and that person you're dating or that marriage or those kids or your parents, you'll never be able to walk in the purposes of God. A Christ-centered relationship practices repentance and forgiveness. Ruth Graham Bell closes it out with this. She has this great quote. She says it this way. A happy marriage is a union of two good forgivers. Now, some of y'all try to fill in that blank with another word right there. Just whatever came to your mind. <laughs> Learn to lay down your lives for each other. Learn to forgive. Learn to let it go. And watch how a Christ-centered relationship can last. And y'all give God some praise today. Amen, church. Y'all receive it. Just close your eyes all over Tampa Bay. I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you about where's the deficit, where's the, the issue in your relationship. Maybe your just relationship is just not Christ-centered. Maybe Christ is part of it, but not all of it. Here's what I'm gonna challenge you to do, and just in this moment, right now with you and God, 
just make a decision. Say, God, I, I will personally, I will pursue you. I'll pursue you. God, even as a couple, we're gonna pursue you. We're gonna pray together, go to church together. We're gonna, we're gonna do this thing together. God, as a family, we're gonna do our devotions. We're gonna figure out ways that we can pursue you, God, as a family. In our friendships, God, we're just not gonna make it about what makes us fun. We're gonna make it about what builds our faith. We're gonna pursue God. Some of you, it's just been all about you and you just need to make a decision. I'm, I'm gonna serve. I'm gonna serve. Lord, help us. Help us to go out of our way to serve our spouse, our parents, our siblings, our children, our friends, whoever we're dating right now, God, help us. And Lord, help us to walk in repentance and forgiveness. I really felt in my spirit that there's somebody that's watching this, that you're holding some major resentment towards your spouse, or maybe it's towards, an, towards some friend in your life, even a parent, and you're going, the relationship gets stalled as soon as there's resentment in that relationship. You go, and that's me, that's me. I just, here's what I want you to do, I just want you to give it to God right now. Let it go. Watch God heal your heart even right now in this service. Lord, we release that resentment towards that, that boss, towards that, that coworker, towards our sibling, towards our child. Lord, we release that towards our spouse. Let us walk with a clean heart, constantly walking in forgiveness just as you, Christ, forgave us. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.